All right, starting a new conversation today. Did any of you grow up taking height measurements at your house? You know, where you would, you would mark your age, right? And, the, and then you'd put the, the height on the wall or, or maybe a doorpost. Anybody do that? All right, got a, got a few people that did that. We didn't have that at my house, uh, but I can remember grabbing my dad's tape measure, you know, and trying to like tape measure myself to see how I'm measuring my own height. There's always excitement to it, right? Like, did I grow? Like, I just, I want to know, did I grow? I wonder how much I grew, you know? My kids love going to the doctor's office at the beginning, not so much at the end, but at the beginning, uh, because, you know, the first thing that they do when they go into the doctor's office is they take their height and they take their weight. And so last time Chloe went in for her doctor's appointment, she was tall enough and she weighed enough that she didn't have to sit in any kind of booster seat anymore. And I was like, yes, you know, it's a, that's exciting. When you are a new parent and you, you take your infant into the doctor's office, they do all kinds of measurements. They, they weigh them and they, they stretch them out and they're wiggling around. They weigh, you got to get them completely naked because they don't want any, I mean, it's just, it's a whole process. They do all kinds of measurements. They even measure uh, the circumference of their head, you know. Our pediatrician, every time we go in, he kind of makes a remark. He's like, uh, your family has generous heads. Okay, <laughs> you know, but they, they do that, you know, because they, they measure kids because they need to know if, they're, if they've grown, because growing is a sign of health. It's important. They do the same thing in schools. You know, teachers take some measurements of their students' knowledge at the beginning of the year, and, and they do that so that then they can take measurements again throughout the year to see if their students are growing in their knowledge. Are they learning? But then we get to be adults, and measurements aren't so fun anymore. Nobody wants to mark my height on a doorpost anymore. I don't like stepping on the scale. <laughs> at the doctor, you know, at the doctor, measurements aren't quite as fun anymore, because measurements often come in the form of blood tests. Performance reviews at work aren't any kind of fun measurement. And those aren't the only measurements that we use in our lives. I mean, because I think there's something in us that wants to know, are we growing? Are, are we changing? You know, are we moving up? Are, are we meeting expectations? Or are, are we meeting others' expectations? And so we measure things like promotions and, and salary and bank accounts and real estate value and stock portfolio and, and Instagram followers and Facebook likes and, and number of views and, and the neighborhood we live in. You know, we, we have all kinds of measurements. And I think if we reflected on our lives and we reflected on our moves and our beliefs about the present circumstances and our hope about the future, we would discover that there, that there are measurements that we are using in life. Measuring is a necessary part of life. <coughs> Because without measurements, you can't know if you're growing. Without measurements, you can't know if you're healthy. But there are a couple of dangers that I can think of in measuring our lives. And so I just want to quickly touch on, on, on that. And that would be misusing our measurements or, or using the wrong measurements. So let's just talk briefly about that. The first danger would be misusing our measurements. We take measurements in life to see if we're growing, if we're changing, if we're learning. 
The only way to tell that is to take a measurement. You've got to, you've got to find something. And then to take that same measurement a little bit later. But too often what we do is we take those little bits of data and we use them to compare ourselves, not to an earlier version of ourselves. No, we compare ourselves to the persons around us. This is a dangerous misuse of measurement in our life. Because comparison with others is a poisonous exercise. When we find someone who, feel, who we feel like measures better than us, we get frustrated. Have you ever just looked at that person and thought, why are they doing better than me? You know, we, we, can, get, we can get resentful. Resentful about their perceived success or resentful about God. Why hasn't, why hasn't God given that to me? I'm better than that person. We feel poorly about ourselves. And too many times what happens is we start chasing other people's scores, thinking that if we can finally kind of reach that, then, then we'll have it. But it doesn't matter because what happens is, is you just encounter another person who we feel like is beating some kind of measurement in our life. It's unhealthy, it's, it's dangerous, it's a cycle that doesn't produce healthy growth in us. The other danger is using the wrong measurements. Are we using the measurements that matter most? We all know that data can be misused in today's world. You can twist and turn a lot of statistics. Now, that doesn't mean that stats don't matter. I, I love stats, and I think they're important. I'm not saying that they don't matter. I, I think measurements are important. I'm saying it takes a commitment to discipline and to truth to stick to the ones that matter most. The most popular measurements aren't always the best measurements. For example, weight, uh, measuring yourself in weight really isn't all that helpful unless you also measure yourself in height. You know what I mean? You have to know both things in order for that to, be pop, to make any kind of sense. And moreover, I would say that if you want to lose weight, then the most important measurement is about how many calories you take in and how many calories you burn off. Yeah, you can measure your weight. You probably should. That's not a bad thing. But it just gives you information about a point in time that reflects anything that has happened to get you to this point. You know what I'm saying? All you do when you stand on a scale is all it tells you is what you've eaten to get you to this weight right here, right now. It doesn't tell you anything about your future. In fact, the best way would be to, to measure the calories that you're eating and how many you're burning off. And that would be the best predictor of what your weight might be doing in the future. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference. The measurements matter. The, the ones that you use matter. The measurements you choose for your life matter. What measurements have you accepted that are perhaps not the most important in your life? And so my hope is that we can start some discussions about measuring. And as we seek God, we want to know if we're growing. Are we changing? Are we learning? Are we moving forward on our journey through life? And so I want to give us some measurements 
to use in our life as we seek God. Now, this isn't meant to be any kind of condemnation on you or your life. I'm not going to make you say your measurements. I'm not going to do this is This is for you to evaluate you. Not to evaluate anybody else around you or any kind of other standard that you might. This is just for you to evaluate growth in your own life. And the first measurement that I want to talk about is the measurement of embracing the gospel. Embracing the gospel. Do you embrace the gospel now more than you did, say, a year ago? I've been going through a a season of reflection and, and growth in my own life. And at the beginning of this kind of I don't know, the past eight weeks. I took a measurement and I found my life a little bit gospel deficient. I'm happy to say I'm getting better. But, but there's, there's measurements that you have to take. Are you embracing the gospel? Now let me tell you a, a little bit more. Let me, let me break down that a little bit more. See, we believe here that, that everybody should wrestle with their faith. I think that there's, God is a God who's not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of our doubts. In fact, I think if you're going to sincerely seek truth, then you have to be willing to at least put on the table that you're wrong. Otherwise, you're just already convinced. So I think in any kind of serious pursuit, so I, there are things that we wrestle with in faith all of the time. Scripture that we go back to, did, does this really mean this? Uh, you know, uh, issues that impact how we live, whether it's, it's sexual ethics or um, uh, greed, uh, how, how our work integrates with the kingdom of God. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of issues that we go and we wrestle with those things all over again. And I think it's great to have a wrestling kind of faith. But how do you have a wrestling kind of faith at the same time as making sure that you're still in the faith? And I think you can have a wrestling kind of faith if you're also growing in this idea of embracing the gospel. Christianity is not a set of theories that is set out that you are supposed to ascribe to and you go through the list and you go, yes, I believe that, and yes, I believe that, and yes, I believe that. And you can mark off all of the things. And growing in your Christian faith and growing in Christian maturity is not trying to convince yourself more of whatever theses of Christianity you put out. Christianity, when it comes down to it, is about a person. The gospel is about a person, about Jesus Christ. And so whatever happens around me, my goal is that in whatever's happening around me, I'm still embracing Jesus, the person. My theology may change, but I'm still embracing Jesus. My circumstances may change, but I'm still embracing Jesus. No matter what, I'm holding on. The good news is not just, hey, you don't, you can be forgiven of your sins and go to heaven. That's not what the good news is. The good news is that Jesus Christ came to earth 
And he said, the kingdom of God is now here. And I will demonstrate that by they will try to kill me and I will conquer death and rise again. That's the good news. The good news is a person. The gospel is Jesus. And so in all of my life, I'm trying to figure out how do I embrace Jesus more? Let me show you a little bit from Scripture. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 5 this evening. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give one to you. We've got a couple out at our concierge cart. It's for you to take. We believe the Bible's important. We believe it's a guidebook for us. It tells us God's story about Himself. And so we encourage everyone to read it. Whether you're a Christian or not, I think it's an important document uh, for all, all of us to reflect on. And so you can grab one of those or you can go to Bible.com slash app and you can download one to your phone. And we're going to have uh, the scripture here on the screen this evening. John is uh, one of four what we call gospels. We call them gospels because they talk about Jesus' life, the good news of Jesus. And uh, John is the one that is written latest in time. And so he writes a little bit differently because uh, he sees some issues in the world around him and, and he wants people to understand how Jesus' life lines up and, and faces those issues. And so John's gospel sounds a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke. And I've been rereading John uh, in my own personal time. And it's funny, man, Jesus, it's, he's just so confrontational in the beginning of John. He's just looking for a fight in the beginning of John, it feels like. I mean... He, Near the beginning of John, he goes into the temple, and John puts this story right at the beginning where Jesus makes a whip and flips over tables and, you know, whips people out of the temple, like right off the bat, you know. And, and so he's always kind of confronting uh, the Pharisees, and he's confronting the world around him. And so we're going to start in verse 31, and this is in the middle of one of these confrontations with the religious leaders uh, of the day. So uh, picking this up in, in verse 31, this is Jesus talking. He says, if I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. Now, let, let, let me put this in context. In, in Jewish law, if you're going to have uh, an acceptable testimony, you need two witnesses to come and testify. They need to give the same uh, testimony, and that's what makes it valid. The person can't testify about themselves. You need two other people. And so what Jesus is saying, hey, I get the custom. I understand it. If I were to testify myself, it wouldn't be valid. You need somebody else. So he continues, but someone else is also testifying about me. And I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you send investigators to listen to John the Baptist. And his testimony about me was true. Of course... I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so that you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John. My teachings and my miracles. Two witnesses right there. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that He sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You've never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent you. Now look, these are fighting words. Jesus is telling the leading uh, religious scholars of the day, hey, 
You have no idea what God is saying. It's not even close. And then this, this verse right here, verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. The scriptures point to me. Your approval means nothing to me. Because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you in my Father's name, and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't honor that which comes from the one who alone is God. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Jesus is throwing down the gauntlet. He's not pulling any punches here. And it's amazing to me the point that Jesus is trying to make. And it's summed up in that verse. You search the Scriptures, but the Scriptures point to me. In other words, you can read the Bible all you want, but if you don't get to the point where you are embracing Jesus then you're not growing. You can learn Scripture and theology. You can memorize Scripture. You can know the five points of Calvinism. You can know Calvinism and, and, and uh, Arianism. And, uh, you, I mean, you could have, I, I'd spent too many years studying all of it. I, I can, you can know all of it, but if it doesn't get you to Jesus, it's not the measurement that matters. I have a master's of divinity. Sounds pretty special. One day, sometimes when I'm feeling lonely and feeling blue, I go and put my master's cap on and then I, I put the ropes on and I walk around like Harry Potter in my house. <laughs> I could bring you the piece of paper that says, I have been conferred. When they did my graduation, they said, I confer you with all of the rights and privileges of a master's of divinity. What are those? Because I'd like to know. I could show you the piece of paper, but it doesn't matter. That's not a measurement that matters in my life. All it means is that I went to school and I did the assignments, but it really doesn't affect how I'm seeking God. Am I embracing Jesus? And it seems so counterintuitive to think that we could know a person who isn't here with us. But this is the crux of Christianity. Paul says, if we don't have the resurrection of Jesus, we are to, Christians are to be pitied above all else. Paul says, of all the things that I have in my life and in my lineage, 
of all the titles and the accolades and all the things I've done, I consider them all a loss to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. I like the way one interpreter puts it. He says, I consider them all rubbish. I think that's a word we should use more often. Rubbish. What he's trying to say in in the most polite way, except Paul's not saying it politely, is he says, this is all crap. (laughs) Unless we know Jesus. This is it. And if we really believe that Jesus Christ lived on the earth, died on a cross, and then three days later rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, I encourage you, if you don't believe that, that's the thing to investigate. Before you investigate anything about else about Christianity, that's the thing to investigate. But if you really believe that, then it's not too far out of the realm of possibilities that the person who conquered death can also get to know you one-on-one, and you can get to know him. I think about this in terms of in terms of my marriage, there are times where Janelle and I go through certain seasons and it just, it just seems like we're not, we're not clicking on the same, we're, we're just not on the same path. You know, what I'm, you know what I mean? We're not on the same wavelength. There are times in our marriage where I, I've disappointed Janelle. There are times where Janelle's disappointed me. But, in all of that, no matter what's going around us, in in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, the good, the bad, and the ugly, see, when, when when we took our wedding vows, we thought, yeah, man, it's gonna be richer, healthier, it's gonna be good, that's awesome, can't wait for that. Nobody, no, on their wedding day, nobody's thinking about the time that you've got to put your wife in the hospital for two weeks. In all of the circumstances, whether good or bad, I've always chosen to embrace Janelle. Whether my expectations were met or, or her expectations were met, we, we've always chosen to embrace one another. And that's why we're still married. You're going to face things in your life that are going to make you question God. And they're going to make you question what you believe and why you believe it. And there are going to be times where you're going to have to change your mind. Because you you have to wrestle through faith. But in all of it, you learn to embrace Jesus. Now, I can't tell you what that looks like for you. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure, read your Bible. That's great. I think that tells us about the the life of Jesus. It's not I'm saying don't read your Bible. I am. That's that's awesome. 
But you'll find Jesus in, in all kinds of things. Some of you will find Jesus in music. Some of you will find Jesus in art. Some of you will find Jesus in, in learning from someone else. That's the beauty of a community of faith is that we all get to come together and say, well, I, I think I'm learning this about Jesus. And you go, really? I never thought about that. And we, we learn from each other. I mean, I'm not prescribing any one way because Jesus wants to get to know you. And so Jesus, yeah, man, sometimes he speaks to me through music. I've had so many calls over the past eight weeks where I've just been, I've been calling people. Tell me about Jesus. What's Jesus? What does this mean? And, and I've seen Jesus in their conversations with me. It happens through different mediums all the time, depending on where you're at in life. And that's the wonderful thing about a God who came to heaven, was a man who died on a cross and rose again, is that he can do that with you. Amen. And so I would encourage you, as you take a measurement in your life, Are you holding more tightly to the good news of the gospel than you were six months ago, a year ago? Could you take a measurement of your life right now? How, how tightly are you holding on to Jesus and the news about his kingdom right now? And then maybe six months or a year down the road, ask yourself the same question again. Because it's in that that we'll see whether we're growing or not.